This is Pete Moore wanted to officially announce the release of Time to Win Again, 52 takeaways from team sports to ensure your business success. I wrote this book over the last year. I think you're going to love it. Good to great meets where's Waldo. Pick them up for your team. Time to win in 2022. Happy to come to your club, your studio, your company, and talk about ways we can optimize business and win going forward. Go Halo. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of bringing back for his second Halo Talks podcast. Starting off uh, in the early stages of the business, we were getting a sense of what he was trying to do, and he's come back to tell us how it's gone and how the platform has been optimized during COVID. Austin, flex it. Welcome back, buddy. Pete, thanks for having me back. It feels like ages ago that I know, we, uh, uh, we were under the stairs in what was it the roger hotel that is correct yeah we were on location at the time pre-covid if everyone remembers pre-covid and i have my flexit shirt that has lasted through covid and it's kept me warm and on my tennis court so i appreciate uh the uh, uh, the attire and i'm looking for a little more apparel as our uh, quid pro quo post podcast we'll have to get that set up <laughs> anyway so why don't you um give us a little background on you know, March 2020, flex it in its original state and kind of what's happened since then. It's been a very, very fast last year and a half, um, as I think it has for many others here in the industry. Uh, you know, just looking towards the future with New Year's, the new year, new you around the corner. Uh, I think that we can all pretty much say, whether your studio, an operator on the equipment side, it's great to see where the industry is now, given the events of the last year and a half. But March 2020, we were flying. At the end of the first week in March, we were we were on pace to just absolutely destroy everything that we'd done in February. Uh, and obviously, by the third week, end of the third week in March 2020, the unimaginable happened, which uh, was every gym across the country closing uh, with, with no real end in sight for that. Um, and I, I think at that point in time, we were in a very, very similar position to the other operators, the operators that we work with. So prior to COVID, as you alluded to Pete, our business was predicated on the doors of gyms being open. We were a lead gen tool for the clubs. We work with the clubs to drive non-members into the facilities on a pay-per-use basis. It was the most seamless way. It was walk-in, we like to say scan, show, and go. And it was just that easy to pay by the minute for your time in the gym. Uh, so the clubs hit and we did two things that I think were pretty different than what most others did. The first was we did no uh, furloughs and no layoffs. And the second was we made a decision to not react quickly. Um, and I, I think in doing those two things uh, was the best decision we made because it helped set us up to be in a position to do what we ended up doing. So we took about mid-March to mid-April to really dig in, observe, learn, see what was happening. And we formed a thesis. And that thesis was that virtual fitness, not new, but was accelerating. And it was accelerating across three primary categories, live stream, pre-recorded, and hardware. Mm -hmm. And the type of content that we saw coming from hardware was live stream and pre-recorded. So we felt that there were really two types of virtual fitness that were being that was being provided 
to consumers. Again, live streaming pre-recorded. And we felt that at a time where the gyms were closed, trainers were furloughed, laid off, looking for work, that there was an opportunity to really dig in on personal training, to create an experience that was live in two-way. And we quickly accelerated the rollout of our virtual product. Um, we were not planning to release a digital product as soon as we did. Um, and, and, and we quickly turned to V1. We tested some fit out. It was really well received. And then we, we jumped in with two feet. We went along on what we call virtual personal training. And um, it's been an absolute game changer for us. We fast forward now here to December 2021. We're running the original business, which was flexible gym access with virtual personal training. Um, and it's been great. And I feel fortunate that over the last year and a half, we've been able to help a lot of people. But we've also been able to capitalize on a difficult situation and and bring this new platform that I believe fits in in real white space in the industry to people, not just across the country, but across the world. So when you started to relaunch this new platform, obviously you had to go back to your current client base and basically say, hey, you know us as this, and now we're doing this. So did you, was that welcomed at an easy transition or was that, um, and I like the fact that you took time to think because we kind of, we say that a lot on, on, on these podcasts, like don't just jump into something, like take the time to think. Um, how, how did that go? And, and, and how do you feel about, you know, the receptivity you got? Yeah, just on the, the, the time to think piece. Last time I was on the cast, we, we talked a bit about entrepreneurship, um, some of the stuff around Wheels Up and my experience there with the founding group. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a big believer in customer discovery and, uh, you know, making informed decisions. Um, fast decisions, we, we run at a quick pace, but informed decisions and not jumping into something without the right proof of concept. So uh, the first place that we did look was our existing customer base, uh, which was a smart decision by us. And it, it, it helped us to start to prove out what we were doing, get quick feedback. Um, so all that was really valuable. I would also say that anytime you're introducing something new, there's an education process, right? You could be the biggest company in the space and if you're going to introduce something new, there's still communication that has to come along with whatever you're introducing. So I would say it was advantageous to have a base that was not able to use a product that they were used to engaging with that was ready to receive something new because they enjoyed us and were able to get quick feedback. But of course, there was still education that we had to do, and the products are a bit different. And so we had to use that education process as opportunity. But, uh, you know, I, so I would say yes on both fronts there. The education piece is something that we still believe is really important. You know, two years ago, virtual personal training was not a category. It wasn't a thing. Um, we believe we're leading. We're the, the, the category. We're the, the number one in the space here. But um, we're teaching people every day that it's just as easy to work out live and one-on-one -on -one with someone, even if you're not physically in the same space. And it's going to give you uh, an experience that motivates you more and holds you better holds you accountable than just pressing play in a video. And so that education process that we went through early on with our existing base is still something that we're going through every day here as we look to expand and scale virtual personal training. Got it. So when you're scaling the virtual personal training, are you doing that in coordination with the health clubs to, to optimize their personal training revenue? Are you doing it directly with personal trainers or personal training groups? And is there any conflict there? Or you feel like, look, my objective is flexible is get as many people healthy as possible. So I don't really need to necessarily obey by any kind of channel partners or channel related 
you know, m- motivations or like laws? Yeah, just as we were when we started the business and launched in 2019, you know, we're here to do everything we can to help the studios and the operators. Right. I think with this new component to our business, the virtual, I really see us as hub and spoke. So it's not just the clubs, the studios, uh, but we can work with equipment companies. We can work with products companies, recovery companies. I really feel that we sit at an interesting point that most companies in the space can, that we can interact with and collaborate with all. If you just take a step back and look at an Apple, right? Apple getting into fitness. Everyone's trying to get into fitness to be able to offer an experience. We're partnering not just with the clubs and the studios on virtual personal training, but we're partnering with others. We're partnering with equipment companies. We're partnering with products companies so that all of these groups are able to offer a fitness experience. Because if your base is someone who's inclined to be interested in accessing fitness, right, then that's going to be a good fit. So to directly answer the question, Pete, we are laser focused on helping the clubs. Um, We are collaborating with the clubs on a few fronts on virtual. um, And it's not just on virtual personal training. So we have two business lines on virtual that we really focus on here with clubs. One is our direct-to-consumer business, which is our marketplace. Mm-hmm. The other is our enterprise business. Uh, you can think fitness as a service, fast. And the, the energies here are on the marketplace, driving consumers to work out with an array of trainers across modalities. So you can actually come to us. We partner with the clubs as a consumer to work out across strength, hit, yoga, meditation, stretching, recovery, diet, physical therapy with a trainer one day from 24 and a trainer another day from Blink and another day from Gold's SLT, you know, Physique 57. So we're spanning the gamut there. Gotcha. On the enterprise or the fast side, we're actually taking our tech and we're white labeling it for the brands that we work with. So if you go on Blink's website, right? Massive 100 plus unit gym chain, you click on personal training, virtual personal training, it looks like it's blinks, but it's us behind it. And there's some brands where what we're providing is purely live one-on-one. There's some brands where we're providing access to small group, and there's others where we're coupling virtual personal training with other opportunities like live streaming through recording content. So when you take a look at um, the nuances of, of payment processing, you've obviously got clubs that have this relationship with members. You've got personal trainers that are doing some things on their own directly. Tell us how you've kind of solved for that or kind of open source that so you can basically do it however you want. It really depends on the club. Uh, Some clubs prefer for us to take on all the lift. So in the same way that we did on the legacy product, we're here to help. Um, We want to be a creative too. And so with, with, with some clubs, we're taking that on. With others, they're taking it on. It's really up to the club. Part of the beauty of our solutions is that there's a level of out of the boxness to it but that we can actually customize it to the nuances with regards to all the clubs that we're speaking with. I mean, our, our high level, our short on this is the clubs are good at doing what they're doing and physical fitness centers are not going anywhere. Never thought that they were over the last two years, but in the, with regards to the future, I think the big headline this week that I've been been seeing is that hybrid fitness revenue is going to double to 1.2 trillion by 2025. And I think people are understanding that virtual, and this is really the core of our position means connected and not just at home. And so integrating virtual experiences with that, with access to physical fitness centers is the way of the future. And we're looking to play our part in that around this concept of virtual personal training, but there's other ways. And so we'll tweak the product to fit with the goals of the clubs that we're working with. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I'm, I've been preaching, you know, we, you know, David and I 
you know, we kind of call ourselves during COVID, you know, like the protectors of the bricks and mortar and just trying to, you know, basically go and sniper every freelance writer that said, I'm never working out in a health club again. I'm like, I bet you will be. And I'm going to, I'm going to get a private investigator following around with like a paparazzi camera and sniper you in a couple of weeks or months or days or what have you. Um, and that's about to happen. So I'm looking forward to that uh, discovery. But, you know, as you think about these clubs and, and your original business plan was basically to optimize what they're doing in a three to five mile radius and get as many people into the clubs. You know, do you feel as if the clients that you have now finally embrace the fact that, oh, well, one, you can take me way outside of my three to five mile radius, but actually I can compete with a product virtually that is not, you know, an ad hoc Zoom or a Facebook Live, but, you know, like Blink, I got it on my website now, you know, and it's, it's rock solid. Um, so I don't have to like be intimidated by trying to provide a technology that maybe I don't have the requisite skills to provide, but I'm actually at a place where I could actually be an online authority. I think it's multivariate. Uh, so some clubs love the fact they don't have to be bound by geography. There's specific sets of clubs that have been interested in building up bases in markets that they're not in and then taking that data and using it to help them think through what markets they should go to in the future. Um, so those have been some interesting use cases. There's a couple other use cases that are that are well received and adopted. Um, now there's a transferability and opportunity to take sessions that we're going to be using the club and apply them virtually. There's a chance now to engage with people who maybe traditionally wouldn't feel comfortable doing personal training with others around, but because you're extending the reach and going into the home, now they might feel comfortable staying engaged with the brand that they like that they're a member at but actually having that person train, because look, even if you're super fit, you may feel self-conscious working out personal training with others around you. If you're new to fitness, if you're looking to change your body, you may feel more comfortable outside of your box. If you're traveling and you want to work out with your trainer, so there's a lot of different use cases, but yeah, many of the brands have been excited at the fact that they can now market without having to be bound by geography. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, whether it's, it's blank or with other clients, how do you, my question is, who is the person or the people that are actually leading this charge? Is it the personal training group? Is it the head of sales and marketing? Is it membership? I'm sure it's probably, you know, a combination of a lot of different people inside of a club, but where, where are you seeing the best results or usage based on who is actually championing it internally? Yeah, I think like most other services, and you guys know this, uh, when you're when you're bringing them into the clubs, the path in, um, the group that's going to adopt and help help to endorse and spread throughout the organization and get buy-in, it's it's going to be it's going to be varied. Every group's a little bit different. I think there's some groups where personal training really spearheads this, and then you have other groups where it's really spearheaded by marketing, biz dev. Uh, I would say those are the two sides. When you get into white labeling and, and doing the Fitness is a service stuff that we're really working on. Um, obviously, technology and product are getting involved, but it's really personal training. Um, so personal personal training and then marketing membership. Gotcha. That's great. We've been talking a lot to studios and health club operators to basically treat your personal trainers like professional athletes. You know, one is they get paid you know, based on what they deliver. And also, you know, you've got to embrace them as a personality and not as a cost 
of a group exercise class because they are responsible for potentially hundreds of people that are only going to your club because that is the person that that they've got a, a relationship with. So do you have any advice related to here's an X amount of revenue that comes in. Here's kind of what a standard rev share looks like. Obviously, if you, you know, Apple's got an Apple store and they've got X amount of percent that they keep, you know, Uber's got their percentage with drivers. You know, is there any kind of benchmarks or things that you've kind of come across and say, hey, look, this is how you should set up the revenue model? Yeah. Um, one of the things that we've seen that's worked out really well for clubs, and not all clubs do this, but I, I, I really believe in this concept, is the clubs that are compensating trainers the same for virtual visits as they are for in-person visits um, are clubs that are having really good adoption internally by trainers. Um, and I think that's a model that should be replicated and built out further. Uh, you can still deliver a really good training session to somebody virtually, and you can touch more people. You can help more people to get fit. Um, it also is a really good way to leverage underutilized time, downtime. So instead of having a trainer that's twiddling their thumbs between 11 and one, because they're not training clients on the floor, they're getting comp the same way. They can actually fill that time. You can right. increase you know, revenue per, per trainer and, and, and really you know, grow your program. So that's one takeaway that we've seen that's been really well received. I think there is variance from HVLP to mid-tier to the upper tier. Um, so, you know, like most things, it's not, it's not linear, it's not a pure science here, but that has been one of the coolest trends that we've seen that we would hope more clubs continue to adopt. Yeah, it is the personal- Can I, can I jump in real quick? Do you mind? Yeah. Uh, Austin, I'm curious from a design standpoint, and this is something that Pete and I have talked about in the past and sort of been bandied about. In any of the facilities that you know of, has there been any sort of dedicated virtual training space in the facility itself that they they purposely build out and you know use your platform to to on the, you know on the back end? I wonder about that because people are starting to talk about that. As, as the yeah, world starts there, to open up again. There's been a lot of that. Um, there's a lot more talk there. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we're working on with regards to that. One of the things that clubs got really excited about during closures, actually, that's been received and I think we'll ex expect to see more of is simply sectioning off space. It's not just doing away with a full space, but sectioning off space, right? Maybe you take a studio space and you section off a portion of that studio space that becomes dedicated. And some of that's not new, right? I mean, we've seen studio spaces you know, fitness on demand setup and things like that. Um, so I do expect to see more of that. Uh, and really uh, more of it has been leading to 2022 since we've started to reach more stable states and clubs do have the bandwidth to start taking on more things now. Yeah, and is the trainer on average actually in an area where they've got a, a background and they're doing the training or is it really, you know, I'm sitting at a desk or I could be standing up like you and I are right now they're basically just watching the person and coaching them. What, what are you seeing as the best delivery? And also, you know, a personal trainer typically doesn't have to do, you know, 12 workouts a day, you know, like a, a group exercise instructor. So they can really, you know, as long as you drink some hot tea, like you should be able to, to do what you need to do and optimize and scale the business. Yeah. 12 a day, 12 a day is, uh, you're playing a lot of tennis. You might be there. I'm not doing 12 a day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, but you, got say, flex, you got the flex insurance. So as long as you're watching it, that, that's keeping me going, I guess. So we, um, um, so on our marketplace, it's a little different than if a club's white labeled it. If a club's white labeled it, it's up to the club. 
there's best practices. We make recommendations. But some clubs are having folks deliver from the floor. Some are delivering from home. Usually they're in a branded shirt. Um, it can be cool to have the trainer have the background of the club, right? Seeing equipment for the customer because you can kind of feel like you're in the zone. You're there with them. Um, for us, um, there are clear guidelines for everything on our marketplace, between backgrounds, specific designs in the backgrounds and things like that. Um, a couple of things with regards to doing the workouts and comparing to group X. So one is many of our trainers do do demonstrations and they're working out with the client. But two is... Part of what we're doing is we've built our own video tech. To the extent possible, it's set up to help two people who aren't physically in the same space feel that they are. So it's very different experience from a, a meetings technology. Just like to say, something like a Zoom is great for meetings, but Flex, it's for training. Trainers can draw on the screen. There's videos that can get projected onto the screen. There's many different bells and whistles. So if a trainer isn't physically able to, or if wants to focus on the client, do a deadlift, the trainer can actually project uh, a video of a perfectly performed deadlift for as, as an example onto the screen and the client can follow along to that. The trainer can stay locked in on making sure that the client's form is correct. So no, the trainers are not having to work out 12 times a day, but the trainers are able to bang these sessions out back to back to back. You know, 30 minute sessions are super popular. It's become very efficient for them. Gotcha. And then uh, one thing you mentioned before that I wanted to um, get some information on and for everyone to, to be able to, to have uh, intel about when you talk about some of the hardware companies that you're working with, um, one of the groups that we've been spending some time with, a guy named Sammy, who runs a company that's called Carbon Trainer, which is similar to a tonal type of technology, a mirror, if you will. Are you seeing the, the, the Flexit platform potentially becoming you know, an enterprise solution on, on some of those types of platforms? We've been getting a lot of interest for that type of work lately. Gotcha. And do you see that as as a as a growing segment you know obviously some of these groups have their own content but i feel like hardware in every under industry you know kind of becomes like all right whatever you want to put on here like if i think about roku as an example you know like if the, the more content you want to put on here the better um so you know is that where you think the future is headed um I do. Uh, I think. I, I think one step further. I think that what's really important for connected fitness is an understanding that virtual is beyond the living room. The virtual means connected. Um, right. It means really anywhere. That's really where we try to fit in is to connect with regards to that wherever, anytime mentality. Um, so yeah, really understanding that virtual isn't going to die. It's just going to move outside of the living room is how we think about the go forward and which is why we think there's been so much interest in that area of our business. Gotcha. And my last question is just so people understand the materiality of what you're bringing to the table. And because some clubs at this point have said, you know, we didn't do virtual, you know, we got through, I got my PPP money. I'm going to focus on what I do inside the bricks and mortar. How much money on average are they leaving on the table? That's a tough one. Um, Every club is, is so, is so different. The way that I would think about this is it should be looked at as incremental out of, out of the gates. And then you can figure out how and where it fits in with the business and how it can become you know, a really meaningful chunk to your business on the go, on the go forward. But say there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of revenue to be had in virtual. I'm mean, going to speak for just us, you know, for many gyms who are the sole revenue stream for them during COVID. And, and that became really, really meaningful for them. 
I think that there's an unbelievably untapped potential for the bricks and mortar in, in virtual and integrating virtual into everything that they're doing in the clubs um, over the next couple of years. And just, just uh, I know I shared a stat before about how hybrid revenue is going to double by 2025. There's an Ursa stat that I love that's come out over the last year, which is that 68% of Americans who started using digital fitness services during the pandemic continue, plan to continue to do so um, on a go-forward basis. And so I, I think that there's, if there, there has been, and I think for those that haven't, that it's important to embrace how virtual fits into the future of, of bricks and mortar. It's going to be a little bit different for every club, um, but I think that most are now aligned that it's going to be important in some regard going forward. That's great. So we'll put up the information here in the show notes, you know, and uh, and, and make sure we get people uh, onboarded who should be for for 2022. Um, yeah, anything else you want to share here, or any other takeaways, or you know, I think you know, thinking about a business and how you're going to pivot before you actually pivot into it. You know, that's one of my takeaways here. Um, we're big believers that clubs and studios are are the authority, and they should have never let that mentality or psyche change. Uh, so thanks to you and, and the other groups that are out there that have basically empowered them with the technology tools, you know, to actually be able to uh, to say with a straight face that I am the authority, you know, wherever you are, I'm going to be there. Yeah, I would just say that, you know, as we enter 2022, it's all about the future. You know, hopefully we can you know use the learnings the last two years behind us. And I love the collaboration in the space. Uh, like I said, I, I like to think that we're sitting at kind of a center of opportunity and bringing groups together. And that's just in our DNA. And I hope to do more of that. I hope the industry embraces more of that and really here to just help more people get more fit. There's 80% of Americans that, that don't really move. Um, so let's start focusing on them. Uh, that's really core to my mission here at Flexit. And, and uh, you know, appreciate it. Appreciate what you guys are doing. What you guys are doing all, it's awesome here with the, with the series for everyone in the industry. And, you know, we'll look forward to, uh, to more good stuff next year. Awesome. All right, man, I look forward to seeing you in person. And uh, Dave, make sure we get uh, Austin a book so he can uh, join our time to win again, uh, you know, uh, directives in uh, solving obesity, loneliness, and diabetes. Small, three small directives that, uh, that, we, that you're helping chip away at. So uh, good to see you and tell the car, car boys we say hello as well. No, I'll talk to you soon, bro. Cool. Thank you, guys. Take Thanks. care. Later. Take care.